get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line to be joined by voice of MLB on ESPN. You also see him on baseball tonight over on ESPN. He's Carl Ravitch joining us here on BK and Ferrario. Carl, we appreciate the time as always, man. How you doing today? I'm doing really well. If you hear some buzzers in the background, it's because we're at the uh, Emily Arena here in Tampa waiting for the SEC basketball tournament to start. So oh, I apologize fantastic. for any extemporaneous noises. Is, is Mizzou going to win the tournament this year, Carl? Obviously. I, I'm, I'm not sure about how I feel about their chances. <laughs> <laughs> this tournament is wide open, at least between four teams. This is Tennessee, Kentucky, Auburn, and Arkansas. That, that's I don't see another team going on a run here, but those four are all capable of winning it. Carl, I do want to ask you one quick uh, question about college basketball. I've got a bunch on baseball yeah. for you, though. Who's the best team you've seen this year? In your mind, like based on what you saw, who is the best yeah. team you've seen so far? Well, we were we were lucky early on this year because we were in Atlantis, which A is lucky to be in Atlantis, but we saw UConn, we saw Auburn, we saw Michigan State. We had a tremendous field. I'd say when they're playing their best, though, the best team that I've seen in person is Kentucky. What sets them apart in your mind? Uh, their maturity, they have a point guard, they have a motor in the middle named Shibwe, who's going to be the player of the year in conference who doesn't stop. They have shooters. Uh, they have a good coach. They have depth. They have size that comes in off the bench. They can afford to make fouls. Um, I, I think that, I, and it may be as much as the other teams. Uh, to me, if I think about this conference, Auburn, uh, their their backcourt has some question marks. I, I just I think that their weaknesses are fewer than most other teams, and and Gonzaga would be the team that I would put with them. I just never saw them in person. I've certainly seen them on TV a lot, and they're really good, really deep, but uh, I've seen Kentucky enough. When when they're hitting on all cylinders, they're, they're they're the toughest team to me to beat. The final college hoops question that I wanted to ask you, Carl, is about the, the local school, Illinois. Um, our, our producer, Tanner yep. Hendrickson, is an Illini fan, and he was very excited the other night when they got a share of the Big Ten title. Uh, what do you think about them this <laughs> year compared to the team that we saw last year? I know all of us were very excited about their chances in the tournament, and they, they just got a rough draw with Loyola. Do you think this is the type of team that could go on a run in March? I do, and, and and you know, along with the SEC, the idea that you play in that conference every night, and you got Purdue, uh, who you know, I guess the, I've seen enough that they don't play enough defense. But I don't know how Purdue ever loses a game, um, you know, with Colbert in the middle and the ability of the guys to shoot from the outside. 
I, I, you know, I look at Illinois and I've seen them play. I've seen Ohio State. I've seen Michigan State play. They, they are co-champions because they're as good as the other teams. But again, I, there are, to me, there are flaws with all of those teams. I would have thought Purdue was the best team of all of them, but clearly, they've shown they can be beaten. Yeah, I, I'm not a, I'm not as big on the Big Ten winning a championship as I am on Gonzaga or Kentucky. But Illinois is certainly in that same group as as the Ohio State's and certainly the Purdue's. I've been a fan of Purdue more than any other team in the conference. Carl Ravitch is our guest here on 101 ESPN. You can check him out on uh, on ESPN Baseball Tonight, voice, voice of Major League Baseball and Sunday Night Baseball this year on ESPN. Hopefully we'll get to see that soon. And Carl, that's <laughs> what we wanted to ask you about because the other day uh, you tweeted out, it is becoming increasingly apparent that we may not have a Major League Baseball season in 2022. Both sides believe they have made significant concessions to the other. Each side points to the other as having not done nearly enough. As has been reported, the word of the day is deadlocked you also added and boy do i hope to be wrong good night that was from the other night do you still have the same amount of pessimism that you had the other night or based on the last couple of days has your optimism started to emerge i would say that they tapped into an optimistic vein that i had uh but again i would say that now based on the idea that at 3 a.m they decided to stop talking and the way i think it has worked is the players will go back and there will be a variety of voices communicating to them. And all of a sudden, the international draft has become front and center. Um, You know, I I spoke to some folks today. You you know, rhetorically, you ask the question, what's the most difficult target to hit? And it's a moving target. And I'm concerned that the target that uh, that keeps, keeps this from being done is a moving target. At one point, we all felt like we were being told the CBT was critical and there's no doubt there was a significant amount of movement in the CBT from the owners. Um, So I I guess I'm, yeah, I'm as, uh, I'm as pessimistic as I've been. I I just have that same bad feeling that uh, they're, they're, they're going to fall on swords that they create as opposed to ones that, were there from the get-go. And that's, that's my biggest concern. I thought that after watching and listening and talking to some folks last night, there was significant progress, certainly enough to get a deal done. When I woke up this morning and saw no deal was done, I had that same foreboding feeling like, well, here we go again. And Carl, this is where I've been with, and, and, and I hate that I'm this pessimistic, but throughout this whole process in these negotiations, it's just seemed like they'll sit there and they'll talk about how, well, they feel like there's progress moving forward, and then there's not, and then one side says, well, we've made concessions and the other hasn't. It really feels like for me, Carl, that one side or the other just wants the win more than they want, quote-unquote, what's best for baseball. I would agree. And I think in the players' defense, I don't think that the players were the ones, and again, this is my own opinion, I don't think the players were the ones, the uh, the first time we seemed to be getting closer, whoever said, we're getting close, we made great progress. I think that was the other side that was probably feeding that. Um, in this case, it, it has been, been reported, and if you just follow baseball, you know there are certain reporters that tend to be on the player's side. There are others that tend to be on the owner's side. It seemed collectively they both uh, felt like there was significant moves made yesterday that hadn't been seen before that would allow a deal to be made. I agree with you that um, there's beginning to become this feeling, 
And I, the way I would always look at negotiations, especially for, I think everybody acknowledges owners have won the last few negotiations. I don't think, I don't even think they'd hide from that. In fact, I know they wouldn't hide <laughs> from that. Um, but now it's now the question becomes: If you are the players or the union, how much of your losses over successive negotiations are you trying to make up in one? And uh, you know, again, the, the moving target of it feels like they have to figure out h- how much is enough. Know when to say when, um, and that's that, that's you know, I think that's really the crux of this. Is I guarantee there are players who are on the phones saying we're. We like this deal. Let's take this deal. And there are others who are going to say, we don't like this deal. Are we going to deal with the international draft? I've seen David Ortiz's name pop up a lot for his, uh, his influence over the Latin American players and this international draft component of it that uh, may not have necessarily been a huge deal. It felt like five days ago. And I'm sure if, uh, if somebody from the player side heard me say that, they'd say, Nope, you just didn't know. It's always been a big deal. And I know the owners for the last 30 years have been trying to get an international draft. Part of the problem with the international draft is I'm not sure anybody on uh, on the player's side truly understand how it works, let alone the owners. We've never had one. So I think the, the conclusion is this isn't going to work, and because it's different, it's bad. And I'm, I'm not certain that an international draft is a bad thing. Um, it, it may curb some of those some of those tremendously talented players, but it certainly is a system that's broken. I mean, you have, you have guys over there that are doing things that certainly aren't in the best interest of the player. Uh, there are agents that are signing them when they're 13 or committing them to a team when they're so young there. Uh, it, it, to me, it needs to be cleaned up. And I think having major league baseball oversee it while it may cost them certain dollars in the beginning, I think it makes for a, uh, to me, it makes for a better on-ramp into the major leagues. I actually think it could be a really good thing for baseball, Carl. I, I tend to agree with you that the problem from the player side, of course, and this is what it always comes back to, is the money. you got to make sure that they're not losing out on that bonus pool that they otherwise would receive based on the slotting for whatever the draft looks like. The other thing that I'm a little confused by, Carl, is this came from Evan Drellick of The Athletic. He tweeted this yeah. morning, uh, the most significant issue remaining in talks, although not the only one, is said to be the direct draft pick compensation the elimination of the qualifying offer, essentially. Carl, I I thought, and maybe I'm just mistaken here, my understanding was that we already had an agreement between the two sides on the DH and no more draft pick compensation in free agency. Did did I mishear Rob Manfred when he announced that? What was this, a month ago? Yeah, about three or four weeks ago, yeah. Uh, No, I don't. I do think that Look, for anybody that has followed the sport of baseball and its collective bargaining agreement, you remember those supercomputers that we, we grew up on and you looked into the supercomputer and you saw 11 billion wires and they all crossed over each other and you said to yourself, how in the world does this supercomputer really work? Who figured out how all these wires go? This, the collective bargaining agreement has so many things that are interconnected with each other and tied to the other it's amazing that it works at all. And I think in your, in your case, when you talk about uh, draft pick compensation, et cetera, so many things, including now the international draft, are tied to other components of the agreement. It's amazing that anything gets done. Yeah. They're, they're like there's no standalone issues. They're all tied to something else, meaning we'll give you the, we'll give you the international draft, but we've got to make sure the pre-arbitration bonus pool is increased, which – 
there never was a pre-arbitration pool before this year. So I think, the, to me, the biggest challenge is how interconnected every one of the items is, and nothing seems to stand alone. And in order to get one thing, you move on to the next thing to tie it together. And that's, that's a really difficult thing. And that's where I think this international draft part comes in. And to your point, draft pick compensation. Um, you should get rid of draft pick compensation. There are ways to even the field. There are some, to me, there are some contradictory items that the players want. And, you know, obviously we all want, I think, a more competitive field. I, I, I think that you want teams to spend more money. Again, it's not even on the table, but having a floor of $100 million would require every team to spend $100 million. I'm not sure that a CBT with now four penalties is going to encourage other teams to spend, but we got a minimum salary raise, which is really important. You want to get players paid more when they're younger. The system is broken. It needed to address that. Um, so it, it has, and that's why I'm, I'm frustrated and pessimistic that what I thought were so many of these bellwether items have been checked off. And every time a box seems to get checked, a new box appears, you know, and that's, uh, that's where the pessimism and the frustration comes in. And I, I just know that, that at some point the owner's balloon gets blown up enough, it's going to burst and they're going to walk. And that's not meaning, again, this isn't to suggest the players should take a bad deal. I struggle with, do the players know what a good deal, not a great, but a good deal or a deal that is good enough really is. It's funny, Carl. This is basically what we've been saying on the show the last couple of days as well. I, I'm typically pro player. Like I, I'm all in favor of them getting what they deserve. I, I do wonder if they're willing to take yes for an answer, though. <laughs> that's that's where I'm confused here. The last question that I did want to ask you. Let's go down this optimism lane for a minute, Carl. Let's yeah. let's say in this pie in the sky scenario, they actually get a deal done today, and baseball yeah. is back, and uh, we're getting opening day less than a month from now, and you're calling games on Sunday night base. Baseball and we got Yachty and Wayno. Everything's great. What does the next week look like in baseball in that scenario? Well, the the, the beauty of that optimistic road um, is how quickly the past week, if not months, will be forgotten about. I mean, if you if you get a deal, the Freddie Freeman conversation goes front and center. Uh, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Cardinals, perhaps the Red Sox, uh, the Angels. Everybody starts talking about players and pitchers, and the Mets say, you know what, we're not done. In fact, we want Freddie Freeman on our team. All of that becomes front and center, and none of what has been talked about, I think, remains. I I was listening to MLB Network Radio this morning with uh, my buddy Xavier Scruggs and Steve Phillips were on, and one of the callers, you know, was asked or or asked them, you know, how quickly do you think people – We'll forget this. And then they made the distinction between diehards like us who just who want baseball and who are willing to put up with the shenanigans. And then there's a casual fan who look at this and say, I, I don't even understand what they're talking about. I'm not going to invest in them. I'm not going to invest in the sport. I do think the free agent frenzy, the talk about where teams are, the schedule will allow even the casual fan to get excited about it. I, I think it's a you know, it's a it's such a rapid ascension to players and field and baseball and bats that it would be forgotten about real quick. But that's that that's 
that's opti- that's really optimistic, <laughs> but I do think it would happen. I, I, I hope it does. Hey, Carl, we appreciate the time as always, man. We hope that we can talk to you soon about, you know, what this Cardinals team is actually going to look like on the field when we do get back to baseball. All the best to you. Enjoy the SEC tournament. Enjoy the NCAA tournament coming up as well. Hopefully we'll talk to you about baseball here again real soon. All right. Thanks very much for having me. Go baseball. Let's go. <laughs>